0: Moncrief. With
1: Energlaze. On News Talk. Time for how to. When we address the sorts of decisions we now take every day. Today is how to become a wedding celebrant or solemniser. Uh, and you will know Ruth Scott's voice. She niftily switched from being a broadcaster to a marridor, if that's a word. Uh, <laughs> afternoon, Ruth.
0: Hi, lovely to be here. Nice to meet you in uh, person. Yes, it is.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, first off, what's the difference between a celebrant and a solemnizer?
0: So, lots of people call themselves celebrants. I would call myself a celebrant. But when you're a solemnizer, which I also am, it's when you can legally marry the couple. So... For anyone who's been married, they know the rigmarole with getting the green folder, with going to the HSE, with doing all that, with getting it signed. Myself and my other humanist buddies are the ones that can do uh, the solemnising job other people may do other functions but if they're not on the HSE list of registered solemnisers then they're not able to legally marry couples. And if you have a look at that list on the HSE website you'll see you know the names of HSE registrars you'll see the names of loads of different religions and then you'll see the couple of humanists that's ourselves about 50 of us on the list. We're the ones that do the non-religious ceremonies. Yes but,
1: but, but it's only in, in the non-religious categories only humanists who can, yes. do the, uh, can legally marry yeah. you. So
0: well the HSE Can. So, you know, the way if you go to a registry office or the HSE come out to a venue to marry you, they do a there's no religion in their ceremonies. But with the humanists, we have a little more leeway. But in terms of content, there's no religious uh,
1: content in it. So, the humanists have it pretty much sewn up like the poor old Satanists or or witches. Do you know what? The the
0: paganists and the spiritualists and the latter day, you know, the Christian churches and the they're all under the religious category. So, there's about now I could be totally wrong on this, but there's hundreds of them between the HSE and the religions. Hundreds. There's only 50, 51 of us fab little humanists on the list. But if you want a humanist wedding, ask for a humanist wedding. We're the ones that, and you know what? It's, it's all about the couple. It really is. And that's what makes it such a lovely thing to do. Yeah. So the the, the,
1: the training you would have done to be a celebrant mm. and the training you would have, what, have done to be a solemniser, were they, are they
0: different things? Well, I did all the training in one. I happened to apply to the Humanist Association of Ireland the year when they were doing all the training together. And by all the training, I mean, they started us off on baby namings and funerals. And there's no legal requirement um, associated with either of those. So, in fact, anyone could do those. You could stand up right now and do you know, a baby naming or you could conduct a funeral and you'd be a celebrant. But at the same time, they also trained us to be solemnizers. So we had to do the training, pass the training, be on probation, do all of these things to make sure then that the humanists were able to go, yeah, OK, they're good. They accredit us. Then they sort of connect us with the HSE. So we did all our training together. But the wedding part, the solemnizing part, Capacity is, I suppose, the only legally binding part. Okay, so so
1: tell us about the training. Now, presumably, the legal, the, the, the
0: legally binding part of it, you have to
1: know the law around these.
0: Yeah, things. you you have to be quite aware. It's funny because. Um, So, again, for people who've gotten married, they'll be aware of this. But let's say if you haven't gotten married and you say to me, Ruth, we're going to get married. I say the first thing you need to do is make you an appointment with the HSE to get your marriage registration form. And that's your, they're the first port of call. So they will check things like proof of ID, proof of address, those things. So by the time I get the document leading up to the wedding day saying this couple are going to get married, I have to be aware and we were told this in our training just to kind of at the back of our head be aware if there's maybe trafficking going on, if there's coercion, if there's certain things like that. Now, it's not a big part because the HSE have done a lot of the sieving as it were already. But we have to be aware of these because there is the point in the ceremony when all us humanist celebrants say... By the power vested in me by the government of Ireland, I'm now delighted to pronounce you legally married, husband and wife, you know, happily married, whatever it is. So we have to be aware of it. But, you know, you meet the couple in enough time that you're able to sort of assuage these fears and that, you know, and once they have their HSE folder as well, well, it's kind of an extra shoring up of your confidence in doing it. Yeah.
1: And, and, and then the rest of the training, I suppose, is learning how to conduct these ceremonies Which, as you already said, varies wildly from couple to couple.
0: Yeah, so I suppose they started us on the the baby naming training, which is sort of in lieu of a a christening or a baptism. And for some people, they may not have necessarily been in front of people a lot. Like, I'm lucky, I have over 20 years in radio, so I'm well able to talk. Mm. But in terms of being able to make it nice and concise, make it tidy, keep it along the framework of the humanist Ideals. That's really important as well, because we're out there representing ourselves, representing the humanists. And so, you know, there's elements of being able to get up and be comfortable in front of people. Equally, with training people to do funerals, you have to. Yeah, We were really well trained, I think, in terms of being able to sit down with a family who are freshly grieving. Yeah. Now, and I say, you know, I often think I'm from Roscommon. And I probably spent half of my childhood being brought around to people's <laughs> sitting rooms There's where, training you know, there anyway, yeah. was laid out. <laughs> yeah. And I genuinely, I don't mean this as a weird thing, but I'm quite comfortable around death in that regard. So you have to kind of get into a different headspace to, you know, here's the baby naming today to all of a sudden, it's Ruth, are you available to do a funeral in 48 yeah, hours? You have yeah. to call and meet the family. And, the you know, the reasons why somebody has died can be so varied. And so, and every one of them is tragic. But you, you know, you have to be able to just dive on in and try and get to I suppose the meat and bones so that you can help the family knowing what they want to put in the ceremony so that on the day you start it off, you explain what's happening, you bring yeah. up, let's say, you know, you bring up Sean Moncrief to read what it was about such and such that they love so much, whatever it was. So that's very different. That's a whole different mindset. I, that's, I mean, actually
1: this is, I suppose, slightly <clears throat> off the topic while you're here, but, but you're you're being asked to talk about somebody that you... Whereas uh, as yeah. opposed to a wedding, you've, you're meeting them, you yeah. get to know them a bit. Yeah. But this is somebody
0: that you probably never met. Exactly. And, you know, it's funny because you will talk to people sometimes at this, this awful moment of fresh grieving and you will end up hearing... All sorts of stories about them. And usually the the people that I'd be talking to would be sort of chuckling away. They'd be dreadfully sad, but also they'd say, oh, do you remember that time when? And suddenly all these, do you remember that times? Do you remember that times? And that's the whole point. Again, like the humanist wedding, the humanist funeral is all about let's just, let's make this about the person. This is about the life they lived. And, you know, it's not always going to be... An amazing life. People lead different lives. And yeah. we have to be we have to be able to do a funeral acknowledging in a you know in a polite, appropriate way, that somebody may have had difficulties in life, or somebody may have been estranged, or you know, somebody may yeah. have done time or all sorts of different things. Yeah. And you know what's really what I definitely find challenging is that you could be on the phone one morning arranging to talk to somebody about a funeral, then you'll jump onto a wedding planning meeting. Then I'll jump on and do the radio show. And then, so you really are kind of jumping and jumping and jumping. <laughs>
1: that's, yeah, that's so that, uh, the many faces of Ruth Scott, uh, really. <laughs> well,
0: all, but you know, all the celebrants will be the same, in a sense, yeah. moving from, because a lot of the celebrants would have different things going on. Mm. So you are kind of jumping around and you're, you're yeah, going go must sort be. of stir crazy at the end of the day sometimes. So uh, apart from the legal
1: requirements, yeah. uh, when you're marrying uh, mm-hmm. a, a couple... Are, are there any other requirements, really, you know, outside of what they want? Yeah, so
0: in terms of wedding, th- for let's say from my perspective, there's three parts. First is brief explanation about humanism. Then the second and third are equally as important. It's the legal impediment question and the, the vows where I would say, do you take as your wife? Do mm. you take as your husband? And then outside of that, you create a ceremony based on what the couple want. So you might have a couple who are all... Jazz hands and they're members of musical societies and they want the crack. And then you could have another couple who'd say, Well, somebody very close to us is, you know, about to pass away. So we need to get married quickly before they're dead. Again, you have to be aware of all this. And you'd sort of say, You explain to them, like, it's a ceremony. So for anyone who's been to any ceremony, any religion or any humanist ceremony, there's a start, a middle, and an end. Yeah. So I would always say something like, you have choices. How you even come into the room? Do you want to walk in together? Um, and because, you know, thankfully, we have same sex marriage allowed in Ireland. If you have two brides coming in, you're like, well, does one of you want to come in first with mum and dad, and then the other one want to follow <laughs> in next with mum and dad? You have all these options. And it's when I say it to people, and they're like, oh, yeah, I never even thought about that. And I make sure that they've sort of ticked all the boxes, that they've made all the decisions couple of weeks before the wedding so that on the day I turn up and I am like Mother Hen just moving things around during the ceremony as they need to be so that people the couple can relax any family and friends who are doing anything they can relax That's kind of my plan.
1: Yeah. How much time then would you put into those meetings beforehand and the preparation?
0: Yeah. So first chat, I probably spend maybe 15, 20 minutes on the phone and then I'd say to a couple, look, these are some options. Um, Come back to me if you do want to go ahead. Because, you know, people could be chatting to several celebrants. Yeah. And then they'd come back to me and they'd say, "Okay, we'll go ahead with you. So then I do a bit of paperwork, send it to them, make sure to get the old T's and C's signed off and... planning meeting on Zoom of about an hour and a half and then from then I send them out uh, all sorts of resources, readings, um, wedding wishes or as some people call them prayers of the faithless, my favourite. And then, you know, depending on how often you might be in contact with them to say, you know, let me know your choices. Please tell me what you're having in the ceremony this weekend. Please let me know who's going to... And then, you know, a last tidy up, a final read, a print off and meeting couples where possible before the wedding day itself. It's not always possible, but it is nice to do. Yes, of course. And and so then I
1: assume um, that the, the actual duration of the ceremony can vary wildly depending on what they want.
0: Yeah, so... Like anything from, let's say, 20 minutes to 45 minutes. About 35, 40 minutes is the average. Mm. And that's by the time you get people in, there's a bit of music, they sit, there's a few readings, there's a bit of chat, there's a bit about love and marriage. I tell the story of the couple, then I get them standing for the vows. Then they do that bit that we've seen at every wedding ever where they sign the legal document then there's a bit more music and then they walk out. But depending on, some people might be like, well, we want six readings and we would like a hand fasting and a ring warming and a wine box ceremony and whatever. So I just kind of keep an eye on it and I say to couples, this is going to be quite long. I don't mind it, but, you know, your guests might be getting a bit antsy. What's a wine box ceremony? Ah, it's where a couple would write each other perhaps love letters of why they wanted to marry each other. They don't let each other see. They put them in the box along with maybe a bottle of wine, the kind they had on their first date, or a bottle of red lemonade, whatever you're into. The idea being they put the letters in and then on their first anniversary, they might open it, drink the red lemonade, read the letters that each other wrote to them. Or sometimes people say, we'll open it after our first big row. So, that might happen sooner. Oh, right. <laughs> that could happen very quickly. <laughs> yeah, okay.
1: Uh, somebody else wants to know, do you have to be a humanist to be a humanist celebrant? Ye- I'm just looking at other uh, revenue yeah, opportunities. Yeah, you have
0: to be, you have to, so I had to be a member of the Humanist Association before I could be considering to apply for the training. So, you have to be a humanist before you can be a humanist celebrant. Yes. And, and the duration actually of the training, how long does that Oh, well, it went on over the course of about a year. So we had, oh. well, we probably had like two days on site for the baby naming and the, the choreography and walk around. And then the funeral training took probably two days on Zoom. And then we spent a day and a half in a crematorium all doing mock funerals, which we've all you know, we've all found somebody to have a conversation with to say, let's pretend, Sean, that somebody you know has passed away and I'm doing their funeral. And then the wedding one took longer because there's a lot more moving parts in it. Mm. So probably in total, I don't know, maybe eight days. And then that's eight days in a room with all the other. I was in a fabulous class of 10 um, and they're all amazing. Like we are the brill- the best group on WhatsApp, aside from all the rest of the other humanists. They're brilliant too. <laughs> but, um, you know, then you're spending all the time planning on, uh, you know, trying to arrange, speaking to somebody to write up your mock baby naming and write up your mock funeral and write up your mock wedding and then making your changes. And yeah, so it's uh, I found it to be really thorough. And for, like for me, as somebody who's used to getting up in front of people, it's really sharpened my game for everything, I like to think.
1: Yeah. And is there, is there then, once you've completed your training, is there a kind of a, a period during which you're kind of on probation, so to
0: yeah, speak? Yeah, kind of. So when we've done all the training and then you go in and you do your your mock wedding, and you have a mock wedding rehearsal and then you have a mock wedding day just so that everybody gets to go through it once for the rehearsal, once for the day. And then you're on probation until the board, I think it's like the board sit, and somebody will say to them, we've had these 10 people training and um, they all pass. So then they contact then the HSE. I can't actually remember how long that took, but it wasn't. Once we had the final piece done, it wasn't long, a couple of weeks. But then, as with every job, you know, there is a probationary period where after about, I think it may be six or eight months, um, somebody from the Humanist had come just to look at one or two of our ceremonies just to make sure that we were doing the job mm. professionally because we are professionally attached to the Humanist Association of Ireland. Right. OK,
1: so if somebody listening now who mm. is a humanist yeah. uh, and say their sister is getting married yeah. in, in December, mm. would they have enough time to train up for that at this stage?
0: Not at the moment. So it's it's only the opportunity arises when the humanists say, now we're taking applications. And they've just recently finished training um, specifically, I think, a group of funeral only celebrants to just try and um, make themselves more readily available for the funerals. Okay. Yeah.
1: So there's, oh God, there's pressure on spaces. that uh, Somebody wants to know about the music. They say, I assume we could choose anything we want.
0: Except for religious songs, yeah. So, well, it's funny, <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. You know, sometimes people will, without even realising it, they'll pick something that's a real holy hymn. Yeah. And I'll say to them, like, I'm not sure that's really appropriate for a human ceremony. You have what? You... So my best friend Gerard married his husband Mike, and they wanted to have Celine Dion the prayer. Yeah. And they were having a HSE person coming to marry, and they were told you can't have the prayer because that is not secular enough. Whereas oh. for the humanists, I'd be like, if you want Celine Dion, you well can have Celine Dion, but you can't have like "Nearer, My God to Thee" or you know any of the hymns anything like that. Anything explicitly, yeah. but or you could prayers. like "I've
1: Slept Not" or anything you wanted.
0: You could yeah, I, yeah,
1: you could. Okay, great. Yeah, uh, the uh, I was at a civil ceremony about ten years ago, and it was seventeen minutes from start to finish. Right. I have to say it felt cold. I'm not really religious, yeah. but I did think the civil ceremony felt impersonal, rushed and not very celebratory.
0: Well, here's the thing. A civil ceremony, and I'm not slagging off the HSE, yeah. that could have been a member of HSE staff. That's yeah. what a civil yeah. ceremony is. A humanist wedding is a secular ceremony. So it's 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 not technically civil. God, I hope I'm getting this right. Yeah. <laughs> but with all of the humanist weddings, like this is a lot of the reason why we do it is because it's all about the couple you know, you'll be hard-pressed to find a humanist who believes there is anything of an afterlife. And so we believe it's all about now. It's about living your best life now. It's about being sound, you know, not being yeah. an absolute you-know-what. Yeah. And so with that in mind, we it's it's kind of our aim to meet the couple and find out something about them and, and put in celebratory things and welcome everyone. And, you know, if granny and grandad, who are 98 and 97, have turned up, I'm going to give that a mention from the top as well. And if it's the couple's dog's birthday... I'm going to mention that as well because the couple have told me and they've said, oh, Ruth, we wanted a lighthearted hearted ceremony. Yeah. So I'll make sure and mention, you know, how the staff are delighted that Fido, the dog, is not here because the carpets will be safe from an excited dog. But, <laughs> you know, something like that. So I totally get it. You You need to be able to say to your celebrant, we want to have you know, I would say to somebody, what kind of tone do you want your wedding to be? And they might say, well, Ruth, it's going to be black tie. So we want it to be quite serious. Mm. And I would say, Grant. And then somebody else might say, we're going to have 20 kids running around like lunatics. If we can just get through it without somebody falling and breaking their nose, that'd be great. And they would say, we want it lighthearted. So the couple dictate the tone of the ceremony. Yes. Now, uh, could I ask you, how much does it cost to train? Oh god. Um I think my training was I think it was 1500 euro for all three services as it were for namings, okay. funerals and weddings. And now I'm on the HSE list of registered solemnisers.
1: Yeah, and then, uh, then after that, when you're when you're on the list, is there a, if you like almost a price list, a set price list for weddings and and well, and...
0: I mean there isn't there isn't if you look at the Humanist website, um, I think it's humanism.ie, ie There is uh, details of and there's other things like coming of age ceremonies for you know instead of confirmation, yeah. fire renewal. There's a whole section there on the price range for ceremonies. So I think at the moment it's from four fifty to five fifty. Okay, and then um, yeah, so you will get all those price details on the website.
1: Right. Okay, and can you offer two for one deals where you'll marry them and then do
0: DJ afterwards? (laughs) Oh my (laughs) god! Do you know what? I have to say hats off to any and every wedding DJ because the crowds that you have at a wedding, and I mean this in the nicest possible way, they're a nightmare because you've got young people, you've got the 20s, the 30s, the mm, fr- you've all yeah. ages and there's always somebody coming up to you saying, will you play some good music from the 70s? Will you play something good from the 80s? And then you've always a sulky person in the corner saying, will you not play something that's been released like in the last two years? <laughs> I did it once or twice for Friends and I swore never again. So wedding DJs are an absolute they're just phenomenal as are wedding musicians it's like they're mind readers you're in the middle of a ceremony and you're thinking I need them to fade after this verse and mm. you just kind of look at them and it's like they, they, know. they know it's yeah. brilliant
1: Okay so just for anyone listening Ruth won't do DJ no. at, uh, at the do no. afterwards but she will <laughs> Mario uh, Ruth Scott thanks so much for coming in to us today Thanks for having me Moncrief
0: weekdays at 2pm with Anna Glaze on News Talk.